Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Blustery. Blustery, California. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go back to muting Emma. <laughs> we, we, I have muted! That's not fair! I have the control. <laughs> I have the control. Oh. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I light my torch and wave it. For the new moon on Monday. Wow. Hmm. That's Duran Duran. Hey, there it is. There it is. Wow. Oh, God. I went deep cut 80s right there. Absolutely. Hey, next up we've got Miss Emma. Her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. This Hello, is, darlings. This is quite fitting since I have the Simon LeBon hair right now. You do actually. I mean, you. Yes, yes. No, you. It's it's like you are Simon LeBon. She looks like a, a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> she's got hockey hair. No, she's got too many teeth for a hockey player. <laughs> Next up, finally back from a trip, we have Micah. Yo, yo, wiki, wiki. <laughs> and it, I got to tell Micah, you look very Dutch. Thank you. There was actually my um, opa. He uh, surprised us. And by surprise, I mean that we walked into a place and he made us put on full old Dutch outfits. And so, and (laughs) like the wooden clogs and stuff. It was awful. No, it's like you've topped up. I held a basket of fish. Your Holland nature. All right. Well, we'll get around to that. Yeah, (laughs) I think so. And wearing her hippie scarf, we got Bex. I say a do run, run, run. A do run run. It's do they run run, do run, run, run run run? It's a duh do run a run. Duh. 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 <laughs> My bike runs and it ran to yesterday. Just had a great ride. Good story. Yeah. And next up on the <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, pretty girl couch tonight, we've got Sam. This is your chance. The dude abides. Hey. Oh. There you go. Nice quote. Also, sneaking in on the pretty girl couch tonight, we've got Mike. Don't look at me when I'm inside of you. (laughs) Oh, my word. That's my favorite one. (laughs) (laughs) Just reliving my childhood, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You break Emma every time. That's unfortunate, Mike. And over in the quarantine corner, we have (laughs) Knock. How are you guys doing? I am sick as a dog. And then <laughs> placed, dying on the inside. Placed precariously close to the quarantine corner, we have <laughs> Charlie. I just want everyone to know that unfortunately there was no international incident. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been promising that for the last three weeks, and you let I kept me the down. bike pinned as long as I could, and nothing happened because it tops out at like seven. Well, all I can say <laughs> is I, <laughs> I owe everyone in Holland a huge debt of thanks for being so tolerant towards you, Charlie. Though, you sure Interpol doesn't want you for something? Interpol. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> Not that we're allowed to say. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so I wanted to get uh, the ride report because this weekend it was the Vampire's Ride, the 
what are we calling it on Friday night? It was the no, spirit I'm not allowed to say spirited ride. The no, spirited ride. No, yes. Liza, it was the spirit ride. The spirit ride. I'm giving I'm giving Emma the the I'm I'm looking at you. Look. It's high no, speed. no, no. Once bitten, twice shy. Because I was quite rightly chastised, berated, chastised for calling it the H ride, which mm. is we, what we it don't means. Mention that. No, it's, we're not going to uh, mention that. The, the hangry ride, she means the uh, high-speed evasion maneuver and technique. Uh, I think right. that's worse. So, Illuminati training, day one. Who here was on the ride? Not I. I think no, I was, I'm which, the only one, right? No, yeah. Am we, I the only one? Not kidding. Did you? You didn't do the. Uh, no, I ride. sent you guys off, but I did not do the ride. Yeah, yeah we, was, all right. So, so uh, how was the spirit of ride? Because I saw you guys gathering, and there was a good group. And then when I saw yeah, you, you guys, came with a hot chick. <laughs> I seen that. Okay, it's my cousin. It's what? And you thought she was 13, and you were hitting on her. Yeah, she's fucking hot. Are you guys kissing cousins? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what kind of cousins are you? Good God. Damn, um, you got good taste. Holy shit. Well, you know, all those all those Mormons are very good looking. Wow. Um, yeah, tell me about it. I have to move to Kansas. So, Meanwhile, but, about what was in Utah, man. There was, there, was, there was a large group gathering, and then I saw you guys later on the ride when you were passing the boardwalk, and it was down to like five people. You, know, you didn't you didn't casually accidentally run into us. You yeah. you, you paraded down there. No, we were like, going. No, she was still going to come by. She was stalking you. So yeah. what happened? You start. There was a good number of people, and then I saw five people pass me later on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people Did just you, showed up, but not not everybody. No. Well, you guys went do the, the, ride. the railroad dirt part. So no. Sam, if you didn't know. Um, these guys are all members of local club, the Vampires, and this weekend was their rally. And on Friday night, there's a what we call spirited <laughs> ride. But that's not really what it's called. And uh, we, as, yeah, yeah, we're just. Is, yeah. There, is there an alternative name for this? Yeah, there is, but yeah, we're not allowed to say on air. Over here, and I'll whisper it in your ear. Yeah. I think I just burped too, so my bad. I can like totally hear that in oh, my yeah, headphones. That's <laughs> fucking pointless. That, that means he likes you. If no. he belches in your ear. I didn't mean to. No, it just happened beforehand. It was a moment. I'll tell you, that was a moment. It was it, a I'm moment. glad it was a way, moment. I, I have this amazing vision of you being like, your cousin's hot. I'm going to move to Kansas where all the Mormons are. <laughs> going up in Kansas and being like, what the fuck? Where's, uh, where's the tabernacle? Like, yes. right. totally. And I'm going to burp in there. That's area. the wrong state. Yeah. Um, anyway, so did you ride the Z thousand? Yeah, I took the Z one thousand. No, it's a ride. Z. It's a Z thousand. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just, I wanted okay. to know that. All right, all right. Okay. So, how easy. was the ride? Uh, was there any incidents? No, on Friday. No, night? it was actually uh, I didn't make it last year through the whole ride because I got stuck behind a bunch of fucking sport touring bikes <laughs> on the railroad. Tracks. Oh, they're the worst. And I had a five hundred EXC KTM. I, I mean, I don't know. I should have just ran them over. You just got a fishtail around them like I, I did. Couldn't fucking do it, man. But anyway, so I was like determined. I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna finish today. Uh, so yeah, I took the Z1000 and it was it was a perfect bike for it. Perfect you know, looking bike. Yeah, that Did, thing is. Were you fantastic. joined by any cars with lights on top? No, oh, no, and you know there was a couple times when I, we were, I was a little like when we loop around in neighborhoods for a little bit longer than I think we should after we've yeah. done what we just did. I kind of get to like where I'm like, oh fuck, fuck, like, fuck, we, fuck, 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 yeah, fuck. And we're like sitting at a red light, and I'm like, I I'm have like, a child. We're here for too long. <laughs> did yeah. you did you run it over any bums' legs? 
No. Oh my God! <laughs> what? Yeah, it's it nearly that, has that happened. Is that yeah. standard? It's, it's a thing. Okay. It's a thing. Well, didn't someone do like a jump into a drum circle or something one year? standard protocol. You should actively look for a drum circle or a didgeridoo hangout. <laughs> well, the, right, right through them. The yeah. other side of the jump, it didn't look like there was anything on the other side. It was nice. Well, we had a couple of guys. Um, the thing see. about a drum circle, you can use usually hear it coming yeah, yeah totally just saying not if you're in a loud bike so we, we had uh we had a couple people we had someone from the san jose dons was there and uh jeremy jeremy with the r6 mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. these those two guys were hauling i mean they can fucking ride i tell you oh, what good yeah it was, it was pretty exciting they, you know everybody made it back Nobody so you crashed. had trouble keeping up with him i didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> I got a Z1000. No, he's right. a quick yeah, uh, right. Z1000. From what I hear, it's faster than a uh, Super Duke. Yeah, he, that's what they tell you to make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, any day. It's, any it's fucking who's day. riding the bike? She mm. puts some anyway. money on that, man. Oh, fucking any day. You know what I mean? No, yeah. if you could see this on video, it's like Liza and Michael are giving each other like these competitive daggers right now. <laughs> a lot of weakness. No, I'm, no. Looking, I'm looking at him with that grin that says, you haven't caught me yet. Yeah, because you don't fucking ride. You sit and hang out in the garage and complain about your kneecaps. Get on the fucking bike and ride. What a fucking problem. You bum knee, you bum knee motherfucker. Get on the bike and let's go. Hey, Mike, can you, can, no, can you come no, here drop, for a second? No. Mike, uh, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> that's because I had to come to you because you can't even walk with those fucking knees. Look, you don't need to walk to Mike beat me. Totally Just get on the fucking bike right and ride. Now. You know no, what I'm saying? D- don't even get me started with my lumbago. Hold oh. on. Hey, Charlie. Yeah? You've ridden with both of us. Do you think he has a chance? Have you seen her fucking knees? <laughs> she looks like an ostrich when she walks. Well, it's see, crazy. I mean, they're like backwards or some shit. <laughs> you ever seen Mike? We've, we've ridden together. I, I'm just going to say, I think it depends on the day. <laughs> is it her backwards? Safe <laughs> answer, Charlie. That is a safe answer. I think it depends on who's who's actually riding a bike at the moment. Hey, Mike, have you ridden with Charlie? Because he usually rides at the front of the pack, and, and yeah. I never remember seeing you there. Because I got Because <laughs> my bike's too pretty. I don't want to be in the front okay, with that bike. Here we go. Here we go. Look. Let me so, tell you something. You can get those big ass knees around a fucking bike and, and, and then come talk. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get some fucking African knees. You just gotta get that frame to start flexing, then you know you're riding it. You got starving kidneys. You know what comes you know? with they these long legs? Kneecaps. Long arms. The better to reach you with. You're gonna need them because you can't get up with those knees. Watch out, man. <laughs> So, um, anyway. so Saturday there was a ride. How yes. did that go? And then, so on the Saturday ride, it's usually, did you have three groups? No, well, it's just kind of one big group. Um, okay, wait, oh, who went on that ride? Me and Charlie at, in the room here. And Bex. Yeah. And, and, oh, Bex. I'm sorry. I didn't see you because you were so fast. I did for a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was just kind of one big group. Um, the skill sets wasn't quite as diverse as it usually is. Oh, you don't yeah. think so? No, there's a lot of so pretty it, quick people. We're so waiting. So it's all a bunch of fast guys yeah. or what? Wait, I, on, I didn't on. go. They didn't need Charlie. a slow group for me. Charlie, say who you're waiting for. Go ahead. Just say it. <clears throat> Somebody on an R6 and the sweep. Who was? Uh, well, you were the sweep. But <laughs> 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 so, I was smoking the R6, dude. I'm telling you, man. Oh, that, that so, was the so best part of the ride. So was riding that R6? The Pico, Pikachu, 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 what, Pikachu? Pikachu's name yeah. with the monster decals yeah. and all that shit, oh, yeah. full gear. Yeah. Well, a lot of the roads the we the go on tats. weren't necessarily the best. So, um, what right. kind of what kind of turnout did you get? Well, like uh, forty people. We had thirty or forty people, yeah. and a couple of people okay. off along the way. It was about yeah, four we, and a half hour ride. 
Uh, we went over Highland, stretch. you know the uh, mm-hmm. the bumpy road. Mm-hmm. Oh my fucking! We God. did a lot of really good roads and a Worst couple road really ever. bad roads. Yeah, which yeah. I Every considered not. even I, better roads. It, you should always worry when the group lead is on a motard. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like no I, rational I person, that, like unless they were trying to enjoy it, would take the well, route that we took to get somewhere in time. But, it's but just like, what, it's just but what, what's, the, what's the other option to get to where we're going? That's uh, besides highway. highway one. I mean, it's, highway, that's yeah. was so. Only was there, so. were there any crashes? Or we highlights? had we had one. Somebody slight, got clipped. Yeah. Well, so explain he this. Apex a clip. He apexed a turd or something, and there was a car, and he hit the car with his boot. Over on uh, what is it two two thirty? He hit the car two thirty six up through the woods. You know when the road. So he went wide in a turn. No, I think no, he, he cut was... it short. I think he was just kind of. It was a blind yeah, corner. Okay. You know how the corners well, there are like where you couldn't see anything to get around. But it. the roads like it's a, it one, a it's like a it's... one and a half lane right. road. So he just yeah. like hold on, hold on, hold on, not close your ears. Uh. It was an Asian driver. <laughs> 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 so I don't know whose fault it was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I'm not relationship gone. There was a psycho house mom in a yeah. uh, SUV so Subaru. Both that, parties that walked away fine. Everyone was safe. Was yeah. the car damaged? That's the yes. important thing. No, they were tourists in a Mustang convertible. It yeah. was obvious, and it was an Asian person. So <laughs> the car was damaged. Not I really. I wasn't there. I don't know. Was it a rental? Yeah, it was a rental. Oh, that's what it is. They couldn't fucking see it. Told them open your eyes when you come around corners. Okay, stop. Right. Now I know what it's like for everyone else when I talk. Um, <laughs> so he clipped but didn't go down. No, no I think he just kind of caught him with his boot, you know. Yeah. And then we stopped and, and they but pulled the over. boot, you know, scratched the car. I, I picked up the piece of the car and handed it to him. Oh, he ripped a piece of the car off with his boot. The yeah. trim came off or something. It, it was like, just you know those little plastic clips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no, there was no damage, nothing. We had somebody a few years ago who went wide around a corner and ended up clipping a. Um, like an SUV and his handlebars cut into the sheet metal of the car. Wow. And it almost, it 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 tore, well, no, one of his fingers was very severed and almost had to be reattached. Yeah. Because basically his hand went into the sheet metal. That's what kind of happened to me on the pumpkin. Yeah, when I got when you had the guillotine. What do you? That's not what it was. That's not what it was. Okay, maybe it was that, but I'm not admitting it. All right. Well, so ride so was it good. was a good ride. We got through. There was good a bunch ride. of riders there, um, and fucking Bex was smoking it. You know, Aww. it was a couple people. He's so sweet. But you, when you see Pichu and he's got like the full gear, he's got the helmet. The, oh, the he looks bike. so pretty. Oh my god, you're just like yo, this guy is somebody special on the bike. Right. And <laughs> I swear to God, he's walking through when I like me on the verses down on the I like one. You just call him Pichu. Mm. <laughs> what the fuck that means? Name Hernan. It was it was so frustrating to be behind him. Well, they were smoking them, and then she smokes them, and I'm sitting there thinking in my I helmet. I want to come up to him and be like, you, you know, just got your ass to, whooped by a woman. To, I mean, a girl. To be I mean, fair on him. I'm not saying wrong with that, but, you know, guys get pumped up over this shit. Don't look at me like that, Michael. Don't fucking look at me like that. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, if it's a bumpy if it's a bumpy road, hey, it's not the ideal environment for an R6, is it? Don't give people shit for choosing to ride slow. No, I didn't. give them shit if they talk big mouth. I didn't say fucking anything. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. He, I, I didn't say nothing. I just kind of. I was. I was. I was trying to uh, uh, um, promote. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to promote. I was we trying were, to just show him. So we I'd were giving him little him. pointers and yeah. stuff. It stopped. We did it stops. I mean, look through the turns. Exactly what you said to him. Yeah. Somebody said to him today. I was like, I said, look through the turns. Look through the turns. You know, set up for your turns. Break, break into them really good. Yeah. Find your corners and just keep looking through the end. I said, put your, put your, your shoulder on your, or your. Uh, 
chin on your shoulder, and and he started doing it, and it was good. And then, uh, fucking Barrett, two hundred eighty yeah. pounds on a Royal Enfield five hundred, railing through yeah, the turn, just flies right by him. Yeah. Bex comes by him on the five hundred, flying by, and then he'll come into the turn, and I'm like, I think he's gonna do it this time. And just like he might as well just put both no, his feet he, down. And he just puts walk his butt on the outside of, of the bike <laughs> on the wrong side. No, oh. he no. When I was behind him, he was doing it right. So okay. But, well, yeah, but you don't do that going fifteen miles an hour. No point. It, it, you no. just walk the bike through. You might well, as well just it, get off the bike and I walk mean, and do the I mean, I, I told him it wasn't at the speed. Well, you should show him how to do it, Mike, because you know how. I think yeah. you should. Well, I thought that he was just down. trying to, to <laughs> take the time, especially on that really smooth, curvy road, to like learn some new techniques. So I, mean, I thought it was we're a great gonna opportunity to, uh, to work on my standing up and Regardless, he, he rode his own ride, and that's Yeah, he did fine. good. I just, I mean, By the end, he was picking up, and, and, and you know, we were keeping up with the pack, and he was good. Well, it sounds like he needs more saddle time. Yeah, he just needs yeah, to. That's it. Well, there's always, I always look forward. I couldn't go, but I always look forward to the rides, because we have such amazing hills, and to do a pack ride. It's fun. Sam, you're new to Santa Cruz. Have you had a lot of chances to go ride our, our curves? You know, I managed to... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> I go down an octave. I uh, managed to take a ride for one of our company events up to Alice's. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, my commute every day is the lower section of nine mm-hmm. over to Scotts Valley from the mm-hmm. west side of Santa Cruz. Right. So I've run that section a bunch. But as far as long rides go between the job and, uh, and the family... I haven't I haven't put as much saddle time in since I've been back in Northern California. We can uh, we'll tell you take, some of the good roads, some of the loops. There's some good loops. It takes an hour that you can hit Highway we'll 1, go up into the Redwoods, oh, yeah. nice twisties. Oh, you'll love it. We've got a lot of great roads and very few cars. Yep. So we're very yep. spoiled here. So you should be excited awesome. about that. Um, but we wanted to bring Sam in. Um uh, Sam, as we mentioned, is new to Santa Cruz, and we just ran into you a few weeks ago at Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, it's a staple. In it our is. Now. I'm there. Yeah, week, we've taken so some listeners there. Uh, yeah, we have a good time. Taco Tuesday, good tacos. But um, we're fortunate to run into him because Sam happens to be the new CEO of Zero Motorcycles. Ba, 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 ba. That actually, they, they played that exact tune after I said yes to the job. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. That's no, because this absolutely is crazy. You they knew had, that, they so. had that little keyboard yeah. that they set up no, no, on was, the interview desk. It, was, bah, bah, it bah. was. We had a phone call, and I said, "I'll take the job." And then that exact those tones. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd it, be like the coin sound it, from it was, Super Mario. It was, prob- <laughs> it was probably. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, get, I'm guessing. Like, I'm when guessing you upgrade that when you eat a mushroom. Bloop 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 bloop. Yeah. I'm, ge- I'm guessing it was Todd. He was so happy you were coming in. Uh, no, well, the people that I was speaking to about the role, um, the whole team was amazing. So yeah. I, I got to meet all the guys that, that have been running that business for the last you know, few years um, as an executive team before I took the gig. But the people that I was talking to were, uh, it's the investment group out of New York that actually owns and has been funding Zero uh, for the last eight years. Wow. Nice. So we want to do a little get to know. I need to ask you just to get a little closer to the mics. This is something we tell everyone. Yeah, get into Usually the, off the mic, mic. I don't sound. want to embarrass you. I always get, tell guys. Get romantic. When I hold my fingers up like this, I tell men. Six inches. You want to be six inches away. This is what <laughs> men think six inches is. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, my God. I know. I'm so rude. Uh, what's I thought that was ten. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I wanted. Oh, Bex, you're popping them in the face. Yeah, you got to watch out when you move. That. Thank you, though. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, face. we wanted, you know, we have uh, 
an invested uh, interest in Zero, obviously, not just because they're local, but uh, they're just the you know the leaders in the market for electric bikes that a lot of us really believe in. And we're fortunate to be here in the Bay Area where we have a window to see this this amazing thing that's happening in the future. We always say the future is here, the future is now. We can see what's happening here, where there's a lot of people still in Texas or Pennsylvania who haven't seen haven't even seen one of these electric all, all bikes the mormons yet. in kansas still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all, 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 all six of them are yeah, tell them, them. Tell them. So. exactly so we wanted to get to know you because you come to zero as a rider somebody who's been riding so emma did you want to uh do it yeah get to know? so um Sam, this is Emma. This is Emma's job. The, well, the, uh, no, podcast. I mean, it's, 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 watch it's, out when she does that with her hands. You know? Yeah, <laughs> no, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to get down to the and brass tacks. Watch out when she says that. So, too. Sam, how long have you been riding motorcycles? So, I, um, my first bike was a Suzuki RM80, and I got it when I yes. was eight years old. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a gateway fantastic, bike. Fantastic wow, very good. Um, one of those situations where I think my father bought it and didn't tell my mother, and then it got sprung on me. Oh, good um, dad. On Easter Sunday, I ran <laughs> into the garage to buy like a house plant that I'd bought with money I'd saved up for my mom and was really excited about it. When I ran into the garage to grab the plant, there was the motorcycle. Um, so that was my first Aww. bike. I was eight years old. I'm 42. Um, not going to do the math that fast on air. Okay. Where, where did you live? I'm just as a reference. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, oh wow. All right. Born and That's raised where in Pittsburgh. That's where the Mormons are. Um, <laughs> they're, 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 they're all, they're, they're all, it is another just hot pocket, like a little enclave of no, the Mormon no, 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 It's I the thought, Amish in the root beer. It was the Amish. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Oh, no, that's right. That is the Pennsylvania Dutch. With the good root beer. Yeah. The fantastic very good. root beer. Yeah. So not, not big on the motorcycles. They got wood motorcycles. The Amish not so big on the motorcycles either. So I'm guessing you stayed with motorcycles through your teen years. I mean, obviously, RM80, off-road so, bike. So this, is, this, is the, this is the tragic part of it is that um, oh, no. I took the RM80 to um, a town called Wampum, Pennsylvania. It Ooh. really exists. So and we have uh, my cousins had a small farm out there. They were like the country cousins. And we took the bike up there so I could rip around on the roads. I laid it down on some gravel about a year and a half after I'd gotten it. And then about a week later, went out to the garage and it was gone. Um, so the next bike that I ended up owning was after I'd gotten out of college. Okay. Um, and it was a uh, CB550, yeah. 1974 CB550. That's a great K. bike. Um, fantastic bike. Kept it original, no electric ignition. Right. Kept the, the standard points. Um, it's odd, you know, this is a terrible thing to admit publicly, but uh, it had a lot of electrical gremlins that I never quite figured out. And now I'm the CEO of an electric <laughs> motorcycle company. <laughs> and the, there's an irony in that that I don't want to go too far into, but uh, I kind of screwed that one up. So in some ways, um, this job for me is just the ultimate revenge against my parents for right. having taken away my motorcycle when I was about nine years old. Yeah. But you know, so we can say the seed was planted by the RM80. It was. The plant started to grow with the CB550. How long did you have the 550? I had that for about five years. Wow. It was a project bike that I spent about as much time trying to work on as I did riding it. Yeah, but you know, that's part of the fun with an older bike, especially with the older CBs. It was, and um, it was a, I was working, uh, I'd, you know, it's funny. So I uh, grew up in Pittsburgh and right. then um, went to school in Philadelphia um, and then moved here to the Bay Area. In fact, I lived on the west side of Santa Cruz. Um, 17 years ago, I met my um, my wife, 
about two blocks from where we're living now on the west <laughs> yeah. side. Oh, um, so this is actually returns when you say like hey, coming to the area, but we've actually come back. So we were living here and then we moved to Vermont for what was going to be two years and okay. ended up being 12. Yeah, I know that, that story. Um, <laughs> and then you go, uh, then you move from there to um, Park City, Utah for four years. Okay. Where and, the Mormons uh, are. And, a, and that is actually where the Mormons are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Finally. So we actually. I, I have family everywhere. And I don't, and yeah. I don't want to screw this up too bad, but actually Park City in Utah is a town that has exactly the same percentage of Mormons as everywhere else in the country. <laughs> and it's wow. the only, it's one of the only towns in, in Park City that doesn't have a high population of Mormons so again you were um you were wrong <laughs> not to be a dick but it's just like it's literally like you know what? it's like you picked like the one town in Utah and it's like, you finally got the state and like the one town that doesn't have a ton of Mormons it's kind of my city. thing you know um, so 550 five years what came after the 550 after the 550 was a triumph thruxton Okay, um, and we talked a little bit about your thrust. Nice. We did, we did. Um, for me, it was an aesthetic choice. I know it's the Bonneville, um, right. basically, with some with a different riding position. Um, I had a short commute on it. I've spent a lot of time motorcycle commuting, right. about fifteen miles. And the roads in uh, in Vermont, although you don't have the ocean in it, it basically you have um, you have four seasons. You have June, July, August, and then winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the riding yeah. season, <laughs> the riding season there is a whole lot shorter. Um, so I didn't get as much saddle time, but uh. Was riding the trucks and back and forth there. Had a Harley Sportster 1200 briefly, and then made the move to um, Utah. Um, got rid of the Sportster before the move. Kept the Thruxton. <gasps> Good choice. Thanks. Um, <laughs> kept the Thruxton, um, and have now moved here um, and have a, a zero. Have a zero. Course. Yeah, of course. Do you still have the Thrucky? I don't. I, uh, oh. I unloaded it before I made the move, um, knowing that I would basically have access to. Unlimited of, oh, electric motorcycles. motorcycles. I'm, oh, so. I'm curious, why did you sell the CB550? You know, what's funny is uh, the guy that had sold it to me, sold it to me for not a ton of money. I'd spent a lot of time working on it, and after I'd gotten the Thruxton, the, the, the project that I was working on with the CB was I was going to turn it into a cafe racer bike. Right. That's original. Yeah. Well, back then it was. This yes, was like, exactly. This is like 2005, you were You were one of the first. Yeah. I was super early. I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do with this bike. Except for the people that did it in the 70s. That's true. <laughs> um, I, that, was, that, I was... That was me. Five in 79, yeah. so... Um, so when, uh, when, the, you know, that project, I, I didn't have the time to give to it, ended up having, um, two kids while we lived in Vermont. And there it is. Um, <sighs> so I decided instead of spending half the time wrenching on that bike and half the right. time riding it, I'd get the Thruxton, I'd ride the Thruxton, uh, and not have to work on it half the time. Basically it was, right. it was what I was looking for as far as a riding position and performance, um, but with access to modern parts and a bike that I know was going to run, right. go out, it would fire right up. Oh, that's um, fucking nice having a running bike. And you know, I I made a very similar decision with the Triumph T100 back in 2007. Yeah. Um, we did a run up to the Legend of the Motorcycle, which was at the Ritz Carlton up in Half Moon Bay, and I actually rode a 72 Northern <coughs> Commando, and it was a it was a good hundred mile ride. And after I'd done that ride, I realised that that bike was pretty much a death trap yeah. and I wanted nothing more to do with vintage bikes for a while so I bought a brand new Triumph yeah every time I rode the the uh, 
the CB, like a, a part would rattle off. Of yeah, it. exactly. Like um, so the guy that had sold it to me worked at Burton Snowboards, one of the places that I worked when I was, well, the only place that I worked when I was in Vermont. Um, a guy named Chris Doyle, he worked in like the prototype laboratory. He was right. this mad scientist who could build anything snowboarding related. He'd yeah. sold me the bike and then helped me crank on it for a while and wrench on it. And then when I decided to unload it, he had come back and he's like, hey, can I buy it back? I actually kind of missed that bike. So if it, if it hadn't been him, I don't know that I would have let it go, but it was the guy right. that I'd spent a lot of time working on it with him. He'd sold it to me. I sold it back to him for the same amount of money. It was like a free <laughs> rental. Deal. I'd put some parts into it. I gave him some pieces, you know, some of the parts that I'd bought. Right. And um, he basically got the value of all the work that he'd helped me do on it. But it yep. went back to him, so I felt okay it's about like it. It's okay, still in the you family. know, I, I, exactly. exactly. No, I think that's. I think that's. And he still. And I, I, I hit him up yeah. after um, I took the zero job, and I, uh, I asked him about the bike. He still right. has it. He still rides it. So we've established your credentials. You're obviously a biker. You've had motorbikes in your life, throughout your life. Can we talk a little bit about the work? Because I pegged you wrong. When you look at your achievements with the jobs you've had before Zero, because you've got history, you've got history with some pretty famous brands. I pegged you as a marketing guy, but you're not, are you? You're an engineer. Yeah, I got my, um, I got a degree in mechanical engineering right. with a focus in biology. So I took a lot of <laughs> nice. um, physiology classes, biology classes, right. um, but I got a degree in mechanical engineering. But first, I want to take a step back. So like yes, my, my credentials as a, a rider, um, and I want to make a really important distinction. Please. So, to me, um, there's a difference between a rider and someone who rides motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Right? And we, we had this, uh, when I worked at Burton Snowboards, we talk about it. It was like, there's a difference between a snowboarder and then someone who snowboards. Right. Um, go ahead. I, I can help with this distinction. Go ahead. Did you clean your bike often? I did. I, did, I mean, at least once a week. Ooh. But but here's the thing. Here, <laughs> no, exactly. stop it, Liza. But here's the thing. And here's the thing. Um, what I'd say about my credentials, and this isn't to downplay it, it's like, I I don't. So when I think about people who are riders, and that's that's the your listeners and the people mm-hmm. inside of this room, I put those people on a pedestal. Um, I think they're they're people that make sacrifices. And motorcycles and working on them and riding them is a really huge part of their life. And it's one of the things that they fit into their life first and they fit a lot of other things around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the most important customers that Zero could ever have. And they're incredibly important to be the beating heart for a community. Right. I consider myself a person who rides motorcycles and rides them a lot and loves them and has ridden them since he was eight years old. And it's not because I don't love it. It's not because that I don't care deeply about it. It's just because to me, that's rarefied air. I put those people on such a high pedestal. I put the people in this room on such a high pedestal as far as the the work you're doing to keep the bikes on the road, how you're building the community here. Can you lend me 20 bucks? That I, (laughs) (laughs) I I just don't put, I don't put myself in that company and I I don't want to come on and, and, and try to put myself in that same No, you should know it's not a sacrifice for us to choose between family and riding. It's a simple choice. Wait, listen, I I feel like, you know, it's funny. I, I, I know exactly what he's saying, but like just hearing the stuff that you were saying about, you know, all the things that you do writing, I would, I think everybody might have a different point of view on that. And and that's fine. Um, but like I, I was saying this on the other day, it's just like you have the people who go out and buy a bike for a, um, for a, um, 
for no. the image. For the image. They're buying right. an image. And mm-hmm. that's what it is. So, like, to me, like, that's where my distinction is. And that's is. where it's, it's like, at for them. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. It, which it, is which fine. Is, but I know the distinction, just like right. you're saying with the snowboarders. is like, oh, there's people who just like, oh, I have it and I rode once a year or every two years. But then there's, like, people who, like, go religiously every right. winter. And, like, that's your distinction. And to me, it's like, you know, you have people who want to buy the identity. Right. You know what I mean? Which is cool. You want to run out and throw all your leathers on and shit. And, yeah, but those but are the kind just, of people who get, like, you know, 70s Honda's tournament cafe but, racers there or get <laughs> vintage-looking trucks. Oh, my God. You're so horrible. <laughs> no, but yeah. without, you know, Sam, and, and Harleys. So, thanks oh, wait, so no, much for shoot, inviting me. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, so but, you know, without trying to sound like we're doing the kissy-ass thing, Sam, I mean... The distinction between somebody who's a wannabe and who's the real thing. If at eight years old you've got a picture of an RM80 on your bedroom wall, and I did. that's it, <laughs> yeah. but okay, and that's in. the end of that. You're in. <laughs> but if you r- buy a vintage Honda and you spend as much time putting pieces back on it as riding it, you are embracing the culture. To a certain extent. So, you know, and you're deep in them. You are deep in the motorcycle culture right now, whether you like <laughs> it or not. So, you know, the CB550 puts you in the same category as us because you were willing to wrench. Yes, yep. exactly. And that's something. That's a big thing and for me. And you chased a gremlin for five years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, man. And it never yeah. found it. <laughs> so that's great. You're not just somebody who went out and bought a bike and bought the matching leathers and shows up at the coffee yeah. shop going, right. hey, guys. No. Yeah, no, no, no. So you're, no, you've you're, got you're you're, legit. no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got credentials. Right. You've got credentials, Sam. But so obviously, we did our homework yep. on the companies that we think you've turned around. Now you're going to say something different. So this is a motorcycling podcast. So we're going to get to zero. Okay. But we're going to take the path to zero. So let's talk about Burton snowboards. Who were they before you showed up? Who were they after you moved on? So I've been lucky in that. Um, right here comes the all the well, no, all the brands that I've worked for were really well established before I I walked in the door. So I you know, I made I made my contributions. I did my part. Right. The success of Burton Snowboards. I mean, again, like we talked about it before we hopped on air, and, and I got to stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, people right. that had what Jake did. And it's actually, it's interesting with, with the electric motorcycle business and where it is as far as its level of acceptance. What Jake built as a business starting in 77, he was going from mountain This is Jake Burton. This is Jake Burton, the right. founder and owner of Burton Snowboards. And what he built um, by hand, like he was, you know, we had all these, these marketing images, like these standard sort of retro, very heritage marketing images of, of Jake on a bandsaw building boards in the in the mid 70s and late 70s and those weren't props like he was building the boards Mm -hmm. he was riding around he'd built eight he'd ride around and try to sell eight out of the back of a of a car right (laughs) out of his uh his wagon and when he sold them he had the materials to build eight more and that was how he was building a new sport i mean trying to get it accepted getting people to, to to get off of skis and onto a snowboard and there are some parallels with you know the electric motorcycle movement, right. and the things they get to be a part of. But so he brought you on to drive the van. <laughs> <laughs> I was there so long after. I mean, I went to Burton in 2001, and okay. at that point, um, the brand was already a dominant force in the world of snowboarding. Um, and they they built an in- incredible business and an incredible brand. But you built on that. I did. Um, That's a good time to come in, though, right? I mean, it, there's a lot of like the X Games. Well, you know, there's there's parallels to be made mm, because my. My take on this is Burton Snowboards in 2001 
are in a not dissimilar place to where zero is in 2017. I think I think that by 2001, snowboarding had caught hold and it had, it had caught fire in so 92, you, you, 93. You, so you think they're further along? They were further along than zero is for sure, just as far as, I mean, um, I think the snowboarding was an Olympic sport in 96. So the yeah. second time it rolled into the Olympics was 2000. And I think that's when I came through. I might, right. I might have my years wrong. I think their odd years was 98. So, so how long were you with Burton? I was there for 12 years. Wow. wow. So um, that's that's quite a tenure. And, and I did, um, we, you know, again, we moved from the west side of Santa Cruz. I, my, my wife and I did. And I thought we would do two years there to get some experience and work for a cool snowboard company and then move back because we loved it here. Um, man, whose phone just went off? Sorry. Jeez, knock. Is it okay to call him out on that? Yeah. Yeah, no, please. I'm a dick. Is there some kind of punishment? Does he now have to catch oh, yes. opossums? Or? <laughs> the Asians exactly. and the technology. <laughs> so, yes. so you're at Burton, and uh, I'm guessing you honed a lot of your skills there. And then from there... You know, <laughs> oh, my you God, knock your mess. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, you uh, don't punish him by throwing Tootsie Rolls at him. <laughs> that's a treat. That was a solid <laughs> hit. So from Burton, you went to... So, yeah, I spent, I spent 12 years at Burton. So okay. I, I had four different jobs. Basically, every time I was about to potentially go, it was like re-upping for a new tour. So I had four jobs, three years mm -hmm. each, running various businesses for them. Um, first, I ran helmets and, and body protection and those oh. businesses. And those were, you know, a lot of accessories. So, like, really, you made a lot of money every time right, you right, sold right. one, but it's really a competitive market. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, I took over and ran the snowboard binding business, which was one of the three big businesses that they had. Um, lots of injection molded plastics and assembly mm -hmm. and really complicated product that I never fully understood. I had a lot of talented people <laughs> that worked with me. Um, and then I was the general manager for some, some brands that they had acquired in 2004. That was Forum, Foursquare, and Special Blend. And that step for me, going from being just a guy that was running a product division and basically an engineer who was running some businesses to truly running product sales, marketing, creative, and having a financial target I had to hit. Okay. That was when I, I actually really cut my teeth on running a business. That sounds stressful, because that's like a bunch of different hats for one guy to wear. It's you it's know? honestly the best job yeah. in the world. Is it, it mostly delegating, though? You know, it's funny. Um, I've, I've had this conversation last week about what does it take to be a good CEO, um, and I think it's different every place you are. I think that um, some of it is, so you have, you have a handful of basic jobs. One is you're establishing a vision for the business you want to create um, and for the impact it can have on the world in the future at some point. Um, and then you're setting really clear goals. You're helping to co-create the strategy with your team. And then you're making sure they have the resources that they need to go get it done and you're getting out of the way. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. So it's a lot of, you're doing it right. You're doing a lot of really high level right. stuff. You're aiming people. You're making sure they have what they need. You're asking questions and challenging and pushing the business forward. But you're right. I mean, a ton of it is, I'm not going to pick it up on my own and do it. I have to have, in order for Zero to be successful for the sake of all of our customers and all the people that work there. A strong um, team. You need to have well, an incredible team. Yeah. And then I, I have to make great choices to aim them at the right stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can we just back up a little bit and sure. talk about that other famous brand? So I'm guessing you leave uh, Burton in 2013? I uh, left Burton in... Yeah, you know, you know this timeline better than I do. 2013, <laughs> yeah. and you go to Skull Candy. I did. And I'm quite sure a lot of our listeners are listening to us on Skull Candy cans right now. I'm all for, I still call them cans. So it, it yeah. actually, it's, it's an industry term, so you're Is it really? crushing it. Yeah, no, no not, I thought not, it was just Not those cans, Mike. No, those are jugs, darling. Those are jugs. No, they're jugs, darling. Okay. 
so um yeah i um so I finished I finished working at Burton as the right. VP of marketing, which is where the the idea of like, hey, me coming in as a guy that's a marketing person, or right? The marketing guy yeah. like label um, would have started. So I went to um, zero. I'm sorry, I went to Skull Candy, and I I stepped in there as their uh, VP of product and merchandising, and then quickly shifted to be their chief commercialization officer. Um, and that's a complete bullshit title that has no real <laughs> meaning in the world beyond Skull Candy. But what it meant was uh, I got to work with a team and run product, marketing, and creative for Skull Candy for four years. Wait, was it your idea to put the sticker in with them for like brand awareness? No, that happened. Like, that happened before me. But man, what what a brilliant! There yeah. are, there are uh, so many it's a moves. Cool logo. It's a cool logo. It's easily recognizable. Yeah. Even if you chop it up or like cut pieces of it off or like cover it, I have one on my book. It still Excellent. it yeah. still reads as it. And um, you know, it's funny. So I I when I left Burden, Skull Candy was a publicly traded company, and that okay. meant we were you know having to report stuff to wall street no, and we big, had quarterly calls stuff, and, yeah, yeah. it was it was it's it's a legit nasdaq traded company hmm. um but you know so that was going to be a lot of growth and learning for me because i'd spent the last 12 years working in a private company where you had to answer to jake and to a board of right, directors right, right. but it wasn't it wasn't wall street and uh but the the good parts were it was really similar distribution and like core surf skate snow shops the consumer looked a lot like the burden consumer a lot right. of similarities as far as that and and this is a lot of actually what brought me to zero is that you had a chance to tap into this subculture that was a passionate group of people right. that loved this thing dearly. And that's where we're going to dovetail right now into zero. Great. Because the, you've really answered it for us. So at Burton, at Skull Candy, uh, Skull Candy you've got these very, these core customers who are extremely passionate about the, the product, just as they are at Zero. So, Zero asked you to come and join their team, didn't they? They did. So they obviously liked what they saw. When did you join Zero? So, um, you know, the process was a long process. We, right. we started talking, it'd be a year ago now, actually a little bit more than a year ago, actually. Okay. Um, and I think the the, the uh, the investment group that was looking for a new CEO wanted, they, they spent a long time on the process. They wanted to find someone they thought was the right person. I know there were a lot of people in the process. Right. Um, I actually said yes to the job in December. Okay. And then um, basically was started in mid-February. And in between December and mid-February, um, my family and I took a trip to Thailand for a month and basically decompressed before I started this next adventure. Right. Because I guess you knew it was going to be kind of high stress and... and um, we had a little talk before the podcast, yeah. and I gave my theory on it that up until this point, I mean, Zero is fantastic a company as it is. It's kind of being run by enthusiasts and has grown as much as it can, and they need somebody with a solid foundation to come in and actually lead the ship to the next, on the next voyage. Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, the people, I mean, the, the team that I'm inheriting there right. is unbelievably talented. I mean, we have people that are... Oh. They're deeply experienced, like in the motorcycle community, technically, from an engineering standpoint. I, you know, I got the engineering degree. I was never a very good engineer. The team that we have there is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think that's, you know, bringing me in from, from the outside. Um, I think, so here's my basic theory. Instead of saying like, hey, they, they brought me in to, because it was in the hands of enthusiasts and now it's going to go in a different direction. I think about it this way. As I went through the process... Um, I was interested. It sounded like an interesting thing. It's like, hey, I love motorcycles. I rode, I've been riding since I was a kid. 
um, get to be the CEO of an electric motorcycle company. That sounds like a in Santa Cruz. Yeah, like in Santa Cruz, California. And like we had an embedded community here. Like my family and I did. Like we know people here. This sounds like a pretty good, pretty good gig. We should check it out. And you, you start working through a process that takes this long. And about, I don't know, halfway through it, I'm like, all right, look, I've spent so much time on the phone with these guys, and I've now had a couple of trips. Um, i got to throw a leg over one of these bikes and, uh, and check it out. So This is, what I, this is exactly what I want to hear. I want to hear about that first ride. So I went to uh, Monarch Power Sports, which is in Provo, Utah. That, by the way, is the hotbed of the Mormon community in Utah. <laughs> that's, where, that's where the tabernacle is? Actually, no, it's, no. Where, BYU, it's, it's where BYU is. But like, that's their, that's their like, school oh, and their haven. It's huge. So um, took, I rode my Thruxton to Monarch Power Sports. Yeah. Um, actually had a phone call in the parking lot just listening to some like listening along to some consumers as part of like a consumer call that the uh the investment group was doing so just to hear what current consumers were thinking about the product and the brand and then threw a leg over one of the bikes and after a 20-minute test ride um now okay. had it been on your radar had, had electric bikes been something you'd thought about no i mean i was okay i was uh, you know i was rebuilding old cbs and like looking at cafe racers right. and liking vintage bikes and the stuff that i was drooling over was fundamentally different okay so you, I, you're not really knowing what to expect and it's not something you had been pining for so you go for a ride with the first 30 60 seconds what right away is just hitting you so two things hit me when i first rode the bike number one was the torque right so off the line versus the thruxton 900 um and uh i'd feather the clutch i wasn't like just dropping it right. and i was just like even in even in eco mode even in like one of the lower torque modes um, the get up and go, the quickness off the line of that bike isn't was instant, and it it was it was actually a little intimidating. I was like, okay, I don't know what I just <laughs> hopped. You know, I did you know <laughs> walk through it with the guy, but and he was like, okay, just be careful on the throttle. Here's what's going on. Had just come off a bike that I've been riding and really familiar with, so the torque was the first thing. And there's a common misconception, and this is probably when you realized it, that people think that these electric bikes are silent. And actually, when you first take off, there's a sound you hear. It goes. Wee! <laughs> and you're like, where's that coming from? You realize it's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I totally had that experience. Just like taking off, and it's like, what's that high-pitched noise? Like, oh, I'm screaming. That's what it is. Yes, right. Exactly. Um, and then the next thing was, you know, I'd, I'd just ridden like I don't know, 50 miles to get to the dealership. And right. My, my hands were a little bit numb just from riding, uh, from riding the Thruxton, and uh, there was no vibration. That was the mm -hmm. other thing. Everything I felt was the road, and to mm -hmm. me, those were the two biggest things. It wasn't the noise. It wasn't, um, you know, the, the simplicity of not the clutch and not shifting. It was honestly one, the torque, and then number two was just the lack of physical vibration. So the only thing I was feeling is the road. Um, you know, since then, obviously, I've spent a lot of time on an electric motorcycle. And when you think about riding a bike, it, there's you know, you're engaging all five senses. From a visual standpoint and from a taste standpoint, it's more or less the same. You can eat as many bugs riding an electric <laughs> motorcycle as you can right. riding a gas bike. But from like an olfactory, from a from a smell standpoint, from a audio standpoint, and from a tactile physical feel standpoint, and for me personally, that's the biggest one. It's a completely different experience. Oh, absolutely. And one of the reasons I love riding is, you know, there are these moments on a ride, um, whether it's in twisties or just even for me commuting, I, I told my I told my eight-year-old boy, I get to ride a roller coaster to work every day. Like yeah. I'm riding one of our bikes back mm -hmm. and forth. But um, there are these moments where like time just kind of 
stops. Like you don't have the same temporal sense. It slows down, it speeds up, but it isn't normal. And you have these moments of just pure joy where everything else falls away. And like, you're just yeah, really great. You're just really grateful. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking around the room and everybody's nodding because we have all experienced that. And he says he's not a writer. No, no, but yeah. it's like, it, it's a moment that, yeah, and this, this had question to come up a while ago, but if somebody asked me once, like, hey, what was the last time you felt really free? And again, you know, yeah. over a long period of time, I've got I've got a job that has a lot of responsibilities. I've got a wife and two kids, and I've got yeah. a really full life with a lot of things I have to do. But there are these moments that are gifts, that are these moments where everything else falls away, and I just feel nothing but gratitude, and I'm having this kinetic moment. And more often than not, just about every time I throw a leg over a motorcycle and I twist the throttle, I have that feeling of everything else going away and just feeling grateful for that moment and being right. alive in that place at that time. And I'll tell you that I have that experience more on an electric motorcycle than I did on a gas bike. Okay. It's true. I think it's, I got, yeah. I, I got a question for you now. Answer me honestly. If you had not gotten this job, but you'd had an opportunity to ride one of these bikes, do you think you would have bought one? Would you have been a buyer? At That's so hard to say. I mean, I... I'm so tainted at this point from having just because because uh, here's the experience I've had. I've been riding electric motorcycles, and we have a Val bike, and I threw my leg over a gas bike just recently and uh, and rode it. Um, and it's really hard to go back. Right. It, it's hard to go, and, and it sounds crazy, but it, it's hard to go back because I've gotten so used to riding the electric motorcycle, mm -hmm. and I'm just so in that mindset now in this job and in this place. But. Um, you know, going through, and I hadn't gotten the job yet when I rode the bike, and but I'll tell you that I went from being interested, desperately wanting the job, and then there was a backup for me. I was like, if I don't get the job, maybe I can get a free bike out of these guys. <laughs> maybe I'll consult, or like maybe I'll just call them up and be like, thanks so much for, for all the interviews and travel. Hey, can I get a deal? So um, I think there was a high probability I would have ended up being a buyer and a consumer. And to me, even in the role now, it speaks to the power of that test ride experience mm -hmm. of like... If, if I can get someone to throw a leg over an electric motorcycle and try it, even if you do that, even if you say, you know what, this is not for me, because it, it isn't going to be for everybody, especially right. now. I mean, right. you're talking to innovators and early adopters and people who are forward thinking. Right. And, and I went from being like the vintage bike, like rebuild guy yeah. to being the CEO of an electric motorcycle company. And I've fallen in love with it. And I got to believe that there's more than just me out there that right. can make that leap. Yeah. Well, I ask because you're like a lot of people out there who it may not have been on your radar or if it did come on your radar, it doesn't fit your lifestyle yet. So it's not an option for you yet. But now suddenly you've been immersed and you've gotten yeah. this huge education and you've become a recent convert. Yeah. But I can say as somebody who's experienced it, I love it. I'm looking forward to the future, but it doesn't fit my lifestyle yet either. But I know what's coming. And I know it will so soon, and I'm so excited. So you're somebody who's experienced it. We're trying to let our listeners know, people in the U.S. and around the, the world, because zeros are around the world. Are, are there any continents they're not on yet? That's a good question. Um, is Antarctica a continent? Honestly, no, of all the Antarctica. subjects, like, <laughs> ge ge like geography and I aren't, aren't really. Sure, but sure, I think sure. Mike we, would we know across the world. All, all, all the big riding ones. Europe, Asia. Europe, Asia. Yeah, they're all over there. Australia. We, we know this coming, but there's a lot of our listeners who haven't experienced, haven't seen one, haven't ridden one. They're not close to them yet. What kind of growth is Zero experiencing? Like, how fast are dealerships 
uh, opening right now? You know, from a from a dealership standpoint, our goal this year is to grow about twenty percent. We're on track for that. Um, just recently, we crossed this milestone of signing our one hundredth U.S. or North American based mm-hmm. motorcycle dealer, and we have a hundred in Europe as well. Cool. Um, the cool thing, actually, one of the things that, that for me tells me where we are and the curve of people accepting is that. Um, it happened before I came in. Before um, before I came into the business, and none of this is any credit to me, I think there was a lot of us calling people and saying, you got to check it out and you got to try it. And now even from a dealer standpoint, we get a lot of inbound calls. We get a lot of people that are interested in the motorcycles right. that want to be a dealer that are asking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the dealer development work that we're doing, um, we're getting a lot of calls from dealers who want to check the bikes out and become distributors for us. And um, we're getting a really high quality of dealer that's now calling as they see, you know, um, the electric vehicle thing take off. I mean, yeah. we, we talked about this wow. before. And in mm-hmm. 2000, so the, the group that's, this company was started in 2007. And, uh, and in 2010, um, the existing investment group came in and, and started investing, you know, almost eight years ago. At that time, they weren't even tracking electric vehicle sales in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year later, they finally started tracking plug-in vehicle sales. 2,000 plug-in vehicles of, of four-wheel and two-wheel types were sold. That's everything. Everything right. sold in the United States. Last year, the number was 170,000 plug-in vehicles sold in the United States. So wow. we have this massive tailwind and this wave that's coming in electric vehicles that's going to sweep up, obviously, cars, and, and it's going to sweep up motorcycles as well, especially as the charging and the infrastructure and the technology continues to evolve. Do you, do you see like the European market being the spearhead of this, considering that a lot of them are really moving towards renewables? I know Germany is really advanced as far as reusing reno, re, renewable energy and wind power and solar and all that like that, you know, so... The European market is, and the other thing that's interesting about Europe, so I totally agree, and you guys just came back from a trip, and, uh, sorry, you too. So, um, you know, they figured out a long time ago that four wheels isn't always the best solution in a way that America hasn't. Um, just much like and and how bikes are used and what they're for and how they're accepted and the lack of stigma. Yeah. Um, you see guys in business suits like riding from point to point and commuting. Like it's yeah. it's a much bigger part of life. So they're a fantastic market for us. Yeah. Um, if you asked me to sort of handicap it and say like, hey, five years out, um, I think that the the non U.S. non North American market will be two thirds of zero sales, and I think Europe will be a huge piece of that. Yeah, I think it's going to be about yeah. over over but, sixty to seventy. And I think like a lot of people forget that like Europe has almost double the population of America. People think of Europe and they think of just England and France and Germany, but like no, Europe, Europe is Europe huge. Is huge. Yeah, it's like seven hundred million people or something like that. The other thing that's interesting is a lot of people think of Europe as like this single entity. They're right. Like, oh, Europe, like because we're in the United States. It's right. Like, it's not a country. It's a continent. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that the the success and the um, speed at which the European market is catching on to the electric bikes has a lot to do with the distances that people are traveling because when you because I mean you can go to Germany for example in a short bit of a ride um, yeah it's an interesting so question so having an electric you know with that battery issue um but it being not even an issue for, for shorter distances. You know, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I think there are a lot of things that, for me, I'm about 100 days into the job. And uh, 
if I understood really clearly why we were seeing patches where we were slower to be accepted and why we were winning in some spots, yeah. um, you're hitting right at the, the heart of what my job is right now, which is learning as much about the business as I can. Um, and the minute I understand those things really clearly, we'll make adjustments that, that make us so much better and so much stronger. But like, you're hitting at some things. You know, there's um, when it comes to electric, whether it's two wheels or four wheels, three wheels or five, I don't know. Um, you're going to get questions around range. You're going to get questions around charge speed, and you're going to get questions around performance, like top speed and how the how the bike performs versus weight, so, um, and hopefully torque because we we crush it there. So we're we're getting into some core things. I know you you may not be able to answer this question, but obviously the board of directors had a specific goal in mind when they brought you on, and they wanted something from you. Are you able to share what that is, even if it's just an abstract concept? Yeah, I think that I think actually Mike hit pretty close to it as far as like what's the job? If if they wanted somebody to come in and be a marketing guy, right. they'd hire a marketing guy. I think that they understand that this job for me is a lot about making sure that I have the right team and then empowering them and giving them the tools they need to be successful. But they picked you. They did. And I think I had a lot of very frank conversations with them right. um, during the interview process that wasn't just me kissing somebody's ass and trying to get a job, but was me actually, frankly, really thinking critically about the business and picking it apart. And, and they'd be like, oh, we assume the, like, we assume this, like we, you know, electric vehicles in the United States will be 50% of all sales by 2020. Right. And there are some, some stats that say that. And I'd be like, okay, that, that makes sense. But I feel like motorcycles from a 50-50 standpoint will lag behind that for these right. reasons. So we engaged in a lot of like very active debate where I wasn't, I wasn't selling myself super hard. I was spending a lot of time just engaging with them like a group of peers about what, um, what challenges the business is going to face. I mean, face. Did, you, did you see yourself or to a certain extent, do you see yourself as a bridge? Because on the one side, you've got the investors. And we know that as investors, there are certain expectations yeah. of the company. And then on the other side, you've got the engineers involved in the company. And all they're interested in is making a good product. So you kind of have to appease... Or you have to bridge both parties. I think a bridge is a, is a good way to think about it. I think the other thing I'd say is this. Um, one of the pieces that, that you talked about, you know, hey, marketing background and experience. So we talked about that experience of riding a motorcycle and those moments that that just everything else falls away and you're just a person on a bike just riding. Yeah. Um, and those are a gift. Like, you, if, um, honest to God, if you could order that up off of a menu anytime you wanted it, the magic of it would be gone. It would be spoiled. Sure. It's just right. all you can do is leave space in your life for moments like that. And then when they come, just recognize them as a gift. Yeah. Um, and what I'd say is this, from a brand and a marketing and a storytelling standpoint, we don't yet live up to the experience of throwing a leg over this bike and riding it. Okay. And I think if you ask me for like one thing, and, and the whole team internally has heard this, is that if we just serve that, if we just say that we believe that this is a transformative riding experience and we believe in it strongly and we bring the passion of whether it's EV or the power sports community, we, we can tap into those deep wells of passion right. for, for what it is that we do on either of those two sides. Um, the minute that we say everything we do is in service to the experience of riding this motorcycle and just how fundamentally transformative and how different it is from everything else that's out there. And the minute that the stories we tell and the images that we show and the brand that we build lives up to the experience of riding the bike, 
we're going to be wildly successful as a brand and a business. And we aren't okay. there yet. And that was the thing that was the most surprising to me. I thought all the assets were fine. All the assets were great. The brand was right. solid. And then I threw a leg over the bike and I said, like, this is 100% for real. This is it. And as good as the stuff they have is, the current experience of riding that motorcycle is underserved by what we're doing today. And we, yeah. can, right. do, and we can do better. Well, I get something to say. I, I, from the people that I know that ride the bike, they're all, always saying the same thing. And I mean, when they say, you know, looks like a duck, walks like a duck, it is a duck. So, I mean, I, I tend to believe what people are saying when they say these. Like, um, who's the guy who makes the battery that was here? Luke. Luke, 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 Luke work. Dude, he, that, that, I'll never forget the quote that he said that the industry standard right now is uh, is exploding inside of a piece of metal that gives you, what is it, like 20% of the... Uh, 20% efficiency. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just the, the way he put it, was just, he was just laughing while he was yeah. saying it. Like, and, and what comes out of it is, is poisonous. It's and poisonous and kills the planet, yeah. and that's the industry standard. And the whole, the whole point is to create heat, and then you have yeah. to go through yeah. all these efforts right. and, and to the, remove it, it's the heat. It's exploding and breaking itself <laughs> as it's riding. Yeah. And it was just, what what a interesting way to put it but then also too I'm thinking that you have like um, you know if those are the experiences that people are having I feel like you know maybe some of the, the challenges that you that you have are um, you know people saying like you're saying before about distances and charging times yeah. but more than likely it, it it's like you know I'm thinking you're riding around you've had that experience you know what it is on the other side yep. and now you're looking at us or other people riding gas bikes and like what do you think are you like Oh my God, these fucking guys are so stupid, you know. Or that, you know, then you have like Harley dudes and whoever else who's riding a bike, watching a guy like come flying by on a zero, and they're like, "What? Come on, bro! Like, get on a real bike." You know what I mean? Well, I feel like that's like a barrier that needs to be crossed. Let's talk. Um, that's kind of what he's talking about. Real a quick, because we have to wrap the subject soon. But I wanted to say, I mean, Sam, you're fortunate to come in with zero, the market leader. Zero that technology-wise. I mean, people are looking at. Elon Musk and Tesla with what they're doing, but Zero's a little bit ahead of the curve in technology, right? Yeah, it's, on battery it's, technology. It's, yeah, it, it is interesting. Here. So, I mean, he, I mean, Elon's brilliant. He's built an incredible brand and an incredible business. Um, but you know, for us, everything we do, the entire powertrain, the battery, the controllers, everything has to fit between your legs. Like the, it all has to fit just like underneath your body. If you look at a Tesla, I mean, from an energy density standpoint. All of our range has to sit in a battery that sits directly underneath right. you. For Tesla, I can stuff batteries all over the place inside of body panels. Like I have a ton of space in a four-wheel vehicle um, to put all the batteries in that I need to get the range that I want. We have to fit it right underneath you. So from an energy density standpoint, we're ahead. And then from a weatherproofing standpoint, um, we're also super far ahead. I mean, we, we, everything on a motorcycle just sits out there and is exposed to the elements. So, yeah. so not only are you the leader in motorcycles, I mean, you're one of the leaders in the electric vehicles, but we've got a lot of other companies that are coming in. I mean, Harley announced it. We don't know where they're going. Brammo's gone, but we like KTM just announced. We've got the existing companies here, but like KTM said they're getting into it. I think Yamaha has got something coming. You got the big guns coming in. So for you guys to keep forging ahead and being the leader is the real challenge but that's something that i have a lot of pride in that it's not like you guys are just trying to play catch up you guys are the leader this is a great company to be at at an exciting time yes yeah, totally agree. we've been saying all along this is the future i encourage anyone who can find the opportunity to test ride a bike because it starts with that you know what a friend of mine aaron he he went to pakistan one of the guys went to pakistan mm -hmm. He test rode a zero 
at a zero demo day, and like a week later, he bought uh, an older model off of Craigslist. There you go. And he said it's a freaking hoot. He just like it convinced me, and he, it was serendipity that it just showed up like the week after he test rode when he's enjoying. It. it was like a zero DX or a D. Well, you know, DS. Um, we got vintage days in Cleveland coming up. Yeah. We're yeah, that's be the announcement I was about to make. You could borrow some Do of Phil's. Do it. Jump with the gun, Emma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stick to protocol. Yeah, you know, we've talking been talking about how a bunch of us misfits are going to be joining. We're going to be Phil there. and the Cleveland Moto Gang at uh, AMA Vintage Days, and been talking with Phil, and we're going to be there with zeros. Send my regards to Emmy. Do yeah, and doing some test rides. Um, so come and see us at Vintage Days at Cleveland. Meet the misfits. Ride a zero and bring me some gin, darling. Because I need, Sam, I need yeah, gin. Sam's got, Sam, Sam's got something to say. No, I'm good. I want to I hear the announcement. I got a question for you, though. I mean, so can you make this the bike a little bit like, uh, say, couldn't you flood the market if you bring the price down like a bit? Because I think that sometimes, you know, like the reason why I, I would usually generally tend to get it. Can you hand them a calculator time? and let's do some quick math of how this works, Sam, right? Yeah. Um, just you saying, know, you know, no, no, no. So I'd say two things. One is like lowering price is never a brand building strategy. Um, you have to then up the production. Are you capable of upping the production? Because now you got to invest more into the facility to up the production, and to so there's a lot more involved. That's his job is to find that balance to slowly grow the company so, uh, without yeah, tanking. Cheapens the I, name. I, I, I'd say I'd say it this way too. That like I think that a lower price bike could sell a lot more units and people would hop in. Um, the way you think about the profitability in a business is like whatever you know you take your sales minus your expenses and at the end whatever you have left is profit so you couldn't take a loss though like so say if you <laughs> like no 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 hold on hold on i'm just saying instead of like you know cheaping out like the sv mm -hmm. has a shitty suspension mm -hmm. and shitty brakes but they sell more bikes because they could bring the price down instead of bringing the price down on them like by putting less stuff in wouldn't you take a little bit of a of a hit to get more out there and then have it sell itself if i knew when that tipping point and that explosion would be in the market if hey what if i had confidence today that in a year 50% of the market was going to be electric and i don't think it's going to make that kind of a leap that seeding strategy can work but um, you also have to make sure that you're That's doing nice. the right things to run right. a solid brand and a solid business. Now we do, you know, seating bikes to people that are influential and that that care deeply and can be champions for the brand. We mm -hmm. absolutely do that. We we're engaging with people inside of the community. Um, but a broader seating program like that, you know, you could lose a ton of money. And if and if that wave is two or three years out, you're gonna it's a big gamble. You yeah, know what? A, it, it is actually that's a great way it, to put it. It's just a huge gamble. It doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. Let's think about Buell. Buell did some very, very high-priced bikes, but they also did the cheapest American bike on the market, which was the Buell Blast. Blast. Yep. And what? A, that did not work, end well. But for, for the Blast, and Buell had problems beyond the Blast, but the Blast didn't necessarily introduce people to the Buell brand. So... Um, Real quickly, since we're wrapping on the subject, I did want to cover something that a lot of people aren't aware of, that the zero powertrain is going to be used or is being used in some other means, some other vehicles. Applications. So we've already seen uh, some watercraft. Yep, there's freeform factory made a personal, like basically a stand-up racing jet ski. Okay. Yes. So that cool. is a no-brainer. That makes perfect sense. So yeah, for us... Um, you know, I'm lucky enough we have the commercial motorcycle business and what we spent most of the time here talking about. Right. Um, there are two other big pillars to the business. Um, the second one, and you bring it up and you nail it, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's the powertrain business. There are people that are behind the curve on electrification that um, 
come and look at the fact that we've had 11 years to work on this and figure it out, again, with that energy density and the weatherproof elements of it, in addition to the torque that we provide. And um, there are people, again, tons of inbound calls for us to filter that are looking at, we want to bring our powertrain and put it into light vehicles, two-wheel, three-wheel vehicles. You have a ton of applications in agriculture. Think about um, municipal or golf course mowers Mm -hmm. that make a ton of noise and kick out a ton of fumes early in the morning. Um, Anywhere that vibration noise and exhaust are a huge challenge um, from an agriculture, from an industrial standpoint. We're an incredible application there on the powertrain side as well. It's, it's called NVH in the industry, darling. NVH. So um, I would like to see, maybe you've already talked to some people, like I think snowmobiles kind of thing would be a good source for them. You know, um, Jim Callahan's our guy in-house that mm-hmm. deals with and is running point on all the powertrain opportunities. He gets so many calls that only the ones that are moving forward towards um, prototypes for us um, or real business opportunities are the ones that he brings to me. So we've, we've had inbound calls from snowmobile folks. Obviously, we did a, a watercraft. And you think about it, it's like three basic things. One, the, um, the Freeform Factory guys, the watercraft, it was more or less an opportunity that was like wow like people are always asking the question like what happens if you get your powertrain wet yeah 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 um and, you know we took the batteries and submerged them in Santa Cruz harbor pull them up plug them into a bike and have it run like right. like these are these are lock like these are watertight airtight fantastic powertrains but making one on a jet ski is just like people are like what if it gets rained on and like dude we make a jet ski so, <laughs> i think it'll be okay if it gets if you hose it down you're going to be fine I, ever so helpful I, I have some suggestions for you. Oh, read, read the list, Liza. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe a giant daiquiri blender. <laughs> I don't was know if you've ever been like at a bar. Those dang blenders are so... Yes, if they can make a giant do you like daiquiri your, blender, uh, that would be pretty So like either giant or like literally liquefied. the fastest um, blender of all time. I would ask like, you... And it's from zero to daiquiri in three seconds. Yes. <laughs> I would ask you as just a service to all communities to please make the better leaf blower. Uh, yes. We, we could totally really agree. use yep. the silent leaf blower. Um, I thought a drag racing golf cart just because why not? You might be able to, honest to God, if you put the powertrain into a golf cart, you might be able to loop it. Yeah. Just like yeah. get that. Just, <laughs> it basically comes back and crushes whatever golf clubs and stuff would sit drive. in the back. But then, um, yeah, front wheel drive is the right way to go. Really, we thought the best thing, because Emma just cannot find a vibrator that does it for her. Well, I've, no, I've got two models. <laughs> and w- the, the kickstart model, when I fire that up, the two stroke fumes coming out. It's a bit the much house. in the bedroom, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the neighbors complain right. about the noise because so, it's got an expansion I'm chamber. I'm assuming this is typically an indoor. Oh, use. yes, isn't it? So, I, yeah, so, I don't use my vibrator in the front garden. So it's, it's probably for the best. That's the um, grossest the second, thing you have the, ever said, Liza. Yeah, the electric model, um, the grid is having trouble keeping up with it. <laughs> So, you know, I need an alternative, darling. So I'd say two things. One is that uh, our lack of exhaust would be great for indoor use. Yes, very But again, good. you weren't paying attention earlier on the podcast where I said we don't have any vibration. Yes, I uh, know. So that's, so that's I'd actually have, the hard I'd, part. I'd, I'd have to fit some guess, sort yeah. of reciprocating mass to yeah, it. Exactly. To, okay. it, it, will, it will liquefy you. <laughs> I, I want to be, be liquefied. No. Don't ever say those words again. <laughs> oh, my that's God. That's gross. <laughs> Went down the, the hole with the white rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Drink me. Yes. Well, you know, in honor of you being here, Sam, um, I wanted to play a little round of cool or fool. 
And uh, this one is in thanks to a listener who sent in this uh, Craigslist ad for us. Before we go any further, is it the listener's bike? No, it is not. Thank God. <laughs> it is not. And this bike, um, well, it's pretty special. Um, it's special I, needs. I think it's is cool. It, is it a DR frame? Stop hating, man. Knock your asshole. I know. It's the ridiculous thing I have ever seen. I appreciate the effort, man. Like so, this is from Grant. I want to thank Grant for sending this in. Hey, Grant. What we have here, this, this, this bike. I'm just going to say right off the bat, is cool for me for two reasons. First of all, this is a Suzuki DR350, which we have a fondness for here in the garage. Formerly a Suzuki DR350. Some of us have a fondness for. So. All right, so this is a Suzuki DR350 solid commuter. Um, twist the throttle and go. No starting, no oil, no air filter, no transmission, no clutch, no noise, and no gas ever. Why? Because this is an electric conversion mm -hmm. DR350. And this happens to be, I believe this is in Boulder, Colorado. Someone's interested. Um, things you should know it's super quiet you only hear the chain and the tire tread buzz um it, top speed is about 55 60 miles an hour he's been riding it all over um you can ride it in the rain uh it comes with the charger included um now what we're looking at is a dr350 which they the problem is have for range you got to have enough batteries on there and zero's done a good job at cramming a lot of batteries in there without it being obvious <laughs> um <laughs> this person um found a creative way to add some extra batteries and they look like saddlebags on the bike yes so you do have some weight up top um i don't see a cage around them so i'm not sure how well they'll hold up if you topple over in the dirt, they, they look like standard lead acid batteries to me. That's, yeah, that's that was my big issue. Is yeah. they look like lead acids. Yeah, um, and it also the bike also looks like it does have a rodent problem. So I tell you what, <laughs> I'll give you three hundred bucks for it, and I'm doing you a favor. I'll give you three fifty. <laughs> but here's but here's what I like. I like that people are making their own electric. Just like our friend Dom over in Brighton. Liza, the, this is this, a death even trap. Even though you have, <laughs> this is you a have death trap. companies like that it, know what they're doing, the fuck out of I it. love that people are taking bikes and trying to make their own. So this bike... Is a death trap. Now you guys... Just because if I loop it and land on my back, and if I get a little bit of lead acid on me, it's not going to be that It's going to melt your legs, Charlie. <laughs> hey. So let me tell you yeah. what the price is on this. Because I'm not crying. Sam... Uh, even though these are, may, these probably aren't zero batteries or leaf batteries or whatever. Oh wait, no, but they look like they're those cartridge probably style. Probably like sealed gel, gel type batteries. Yeah, I'm not sure. Acid, However, we do know that batteries are where our, a lot of the money goes into these things. It is. Um, this bike. If I told you that they are asking. $1,750. Which is $1,749 you know, too much. <laughs> how much are those How much are those batteries This cost? is a $1,500 bike. <laughs> and they're all it's a running bike. for $250 yeah. more. So this is, yeah, running, good commuter, electric, modified DR350. So the question is, what do you guys think? Cool do, or does fool? It, does it say the range on it? Um, the range is... A mile. No. 
30, such 30, a hater. 30 to 35 miles. I think they're lead acid batteries, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Both for that price and for, for lithium ion with Two any hours. kind of range. Yeah. Oh, but he does say, does say uh, he's fat, so if you're not, you'll probably get a more. Oh, of a so range. I'll get like 200 miles. That's some honesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you guys think for 1750? Is this cool um, or full? To me, it's full just because my least favorite component on any motorcycle. Doesn't mean even, even even bandit styling is the lead acid battery, and oh. just multiplying lead acid batteries ad infinitum, that. it makes it full for me. Yeah. It's a death trap. Micah, what do you think? Uh, I think it's pretty cool, but I it's not something that I would spend my money on. But I think that for someone else uh, who is interested in this but doesn't isn't ready for like a real electric motorcycle, it might be like a cool thing for a little while. Okay. Bex, what do you think? Cool or full? Mm, full. <laughs> I, I wouldn't ride it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. And after riding a, a DR350 and playing in the dirt with it, um, I wouldn't want batteries <gasps> by me. No, man. All right. Sam, what do you think? Cool or full? I love the passion, but I have to go full. Oh, I mean, and the only reason the batteries. The only reason is, I mean, look, I have a team of some of the smartest people that I've ever had a chance to work with that every day are trying to solve the problems of how to make... Uh, a high-performing, long-range electric motorcycle, and these guys are no joke. And uh, it's not as simple as buying an electric motor, buying some batteries and a controller. Like, there's a lot more to it. So I love the passion, right? But I know that these are incredibly difficult problems to solve that take incredibly talented people to do it. And uh, this just isn't a good investment. Charlie, what do you think? Cool or full? I mean, I'd ride it. <laughs> there, <you go. laughs> there we go. But there's not a lot I wouldn't ride. Yeah. That's true. So. And Nock, what do you think? Uh, I like it because some guy thought of this and, you know, he said, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's fool because he's like, now I'm going to like get rid of this mistake for $1,700. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you do what you gotta do but you Sell know what, what I, I, I appreciate it for what it is uh, if he's in Colorado yeah. uh you know, the altitude uh, is, is not a problem if you got uh, an electric I th- battery no, no I think it, it, you know if because weed is legal in Colorado, right? <laughs> so you could ride it to the dispensary. Totally. I mean, it's like the perfect bike to ride to the dispensary because it's stealthy. What the and specs? You ride, are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the specs. Given the specs, this is like an in town. It's a town bike. For yeah. sure. And you walk, you ride your, your town, crazy looking town bike, and have conversations with people about it's, it. It's for riding to the marijuana dispensary sure, yeah. every day. All right, Mike. Why not, Mike? What do you think? Um, I I think there's pros and cons. I think um, okay, just, cool or full, man. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's first of all, I think it's full because he's the only one who would know you know how to fix something if they went wrong with it. So seventy hundred dollars, like, who, where are you going to bring it? You know, to get to, to to work on it if you don't know how to work on bikes. I think it's cool because I think Sam needs to hire him for his marketing. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you look at it, I mean, like he's selling he's selling a lifestyle here. You know what I mean? It's 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 a picture of a bike on a mountaintop with the vista view. Yeah, for seventeen hundred dollars, do I get the vista view too? You know, be able to get back up it. So uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I think it's cool though, um, because even though they used cheaper batteries, they made an electric bike that's affordable. This can be something that someone can get into and puts around with, and possibly upgrade as they go so it's very hard to find a an affordable 
electric bike. They don't just don't exist that much yet. It's it's yeah. a good tinkerer special, I think. And I yeah. think that it's priced right for somebody. It looks somebody. pretty clean too, Eliza. If it was you, I would not buy it because I've seen you with batteries. That thing probably weighs like. Five <laughs> I've seen what you do to batteries. I don't so. think it Volcano would survive battery. in Santa Cruz. The batteries would be gone overnight. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the bike would be on cinder blocks. The batteries would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I wanted to get to some emails real quick and um i've got (laughs) a great one here what about my boy paul so um (laughs) this is in response and you'll appreciate this uh it's titled drilling out the jets oh boy oh no (laughs) so he says liza on your last podcast you left out a few steps in carb tuning uh this is from greg by the way and he says so first of all Always use a clean, well-lit work area. Uh, next, you want to remove the carb with your smallest crescent wrench. The next, <laughs> the next step, anything that your adjustable won't reach can be taken off with a hammer and chisel. True that. Some people prefer a cutting torch. Okay. Uh, the next step would be to remove the main jets and carefully drill it out to the next size drill bit. Another method is to use a rat tail file. This method requires you to keep the filing so you can weigh them on a micro scale to keep track of your adjustments. Very good. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. Uh, then you want to reassemble the carb. Yes. Um, he finds that bailing wire or an old coat hanger will do. It works right. just fine. Yes. Attaching anything that doesn't yes. quite fit together, right? Yes. Uh, and then you want to place any annoying leftover parts in a Ziploc bag to be used yes. in step eight. That's, so we're on step six, so on step eight. So he says, it, step seven, when it won't start and it runs like crap or catches fire, the only three possibilities, then you can find suitable transportation. And then you want step eight is haul the bike to a pro, to a pro preferably Miss Emma, and she can straighten it out for you. Awesome. Or pee in the air box and say, you've got a terrible so, rodent problem. Give you $300. He says, yes, yes, Liza, your method sometimes works, but jets are cheap and precisely sized. Exactly. Plus, they give you an opportunity to go back to a smaller size. Yes. The part about grinding off the numbers after destroying it, drilling it out, is a nice touch, however. So, there no, you go. You so I mean, you, you got credit for that. But the moment you mentioned drilling out jets, honestly, you, yeah. broke, you broke my heart, Liza. You know, you do have to realize that those jets and the inside from the factory they're nice and shiny and there's no scuffs in them right drilling them out produces scuffs little scratches it creates a vortex it's just yeah it's not, <laughs> exactly. it's just um, not a good um, so if it works for bike. you it works but you know it's oh, not oh, the right oh, thing oh, to yeah. do I, I stand behind it for certain bikes so hey so greg says he's planning a trip uh up the coast and plans to stop by in june oh thank great nice so that's coming up uh to see you guys he'll be bringing no no we're in we're into june tell him to bring yes tell him to bring paul later he says he'll be bringing (laughs) his california scooter company his zongshen tt250 zongshen and uh, we can all see if this Chinese bike is any good. Oh, you know, okay, the most cool. recent Cleveland Moto podcast had a yeah, review. Yeah, I know, I know. Of, of the so, um, Greg yeah. uh, has, he rides four bikes. He has a 96 Honda Magna. That's a good an bike. 08 KLR 650. That's a good bike. A 2015 CSC RX3. Not be, sure about that one. To be but determined. And then yes. the 2016 CSC TT 250. And he says... P.S. Emma, you're a good sport about the $300 bike story. Very funny. Ha, Love ha, your ha. podcast. See you next week. Great. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, so that's Greg. Welcome Emma, to Santa Cruz. Yeah. Emma, what do you have? Okay. I have... I have, Oh, from Adam Banbra. Hello, Adam. 
Hey guys, still love the podcast, but, and the but is in capital letters, the advice and conversation about LEDs for headlights on the oh. last episode made me angry. Uh-oh. Angry Adam. <laughs> okay. Putting in the cheapest generic LED bulb that won't even support high or low beam or upgrading a headlight and riding constantly on high beam is an asshole move. It is. As you are blinding other bikes and cars. I think I said this. Yeah. Um, One of us did. There's at least one sensible person that said it. It's a really shitty place to cut corners. That's agreed. And if you apply the logic of looking after yourself, then there's no reason why a mini driver with kids in the back shouldn't then drive with their main beams on full and so on. True that. There are plenty of affordable headlight upgrade options that with a little, little forum research and care setting up, which may also mean a reflector change to suit the LED, will give you better visibility without being a dick to other riders and drivers. That is also true. Yeah, it may mean another 50 bucks, but if you can't or won't pay for that to upgrade in a way that doesn't endanger other people on the road, don't... It's, it's got it bleeped out, but I'm going to... Don't fucking do it! Or encourage, encourage others to do it. Aside from the danger you will put other bikes and cars in it's a great way to make others hate bikers mm -hmm. end rant sent from my iphone thanks adam <laughs> i still believe in high visibility for me yeah but you know there is a very very fine line between getting yourself seen and blinding somebody else. The problem with like blinding lights is people drive into them. Yeah. Right. Target yeah, fixing it becomes the more dangerous. Yeah. Um, very, very brief story. Um, my my dear friend Kathy was involved in a head-on um, accident many years ago with a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. And she was stationary and the driver basically drove into her. Yeah. And the CHP officer said it's what we call moth syndrome. Yeah. Because people are drawn to the headlights drawn to the headlights especially so drunk you, people yeah exactly so if you're blinding people they are going to be drawn to your headlights so yeah i mean you know it's it's a very 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 fine line having a powerful headlights one thing yeah. and it's a wonderful thing because being lit up the road but if you've got a guy in an 18 wheeler say coming towards you and you blind him so he can't see which part of the road he's in maybe that's not the best situation you know, for you you know what bike has a good headlight bandit Zero. No, bandits have got fantastic Zero's headlights. Zero's a good deal. I, I can attest to it where Henry has upgraded his, and I'll be riding front and taking a turn or a curve, and I'm blinded by his light. Yeah. So we now, blinded at night, by his, his light. light. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not you know, in a pleasant way. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it, it's more dangerous where um, now when we're riding at night, if and he's kind of stuck with it, even on low, um, I refuse to be in front, or we have to be like great distance. Well, I think it's I think it's a fair argument that everyone can make that choice. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But th no, thank you for the email, uh, um, Adam. And we are always willing to listen to advice from others, right. even when they're angry. <laughs> even when <laughs> even when they're wrong. <laughs> what you got, Micah? So this uh, beautiful email by Michael Clunin is titled... <gasps> Hello, Michael! He's a friend of the garage. Uh, hypoid oil, motherfuck-nots. Woo! <laughs> 
So it starts, what? sup dudes and dudettes, I just listened to your podcast, number 205, and have been having a transmission problem. However, it's not with a bike, of which I'd fuck, kill, or marry a many. This has to do with a <laughs> Ford WD off-road vehicle of my dreams. I hope, to sh- I hope to show you a bunch of yahoos th- this thing very soon because I fucking bought it and will be descending on an adventure soon yeah. with it pulling my new bike, of course, as soon as Idaho gets too fucking cold again for me <laughs> and it's time to yield and flock again. This email is to say thank you, Emma. You and your amazeballs knowledge of my of mechanics are truly helpful all over. Oh, I can't hate. Or I can't wait to drink gun. I think gin. Gin, gin darling. Uh, no, no, no. It says gun, but no. I think gin uh, with you and stare at your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I recently purchased. Well, or I, I purchased recently a first gen forerunner of which I put in a new clutch and still had problems shifting my transmission. I had no idea that different oils made such a difference. Oh yes, but but hey, I met a dude up here in Idaho that that oils and their different viscosities matter so much. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Emma, for discussing this topic. <clears throat> Couldn't have been more relevant. Take it easy, weirdos. Hope to see you soon if all viscosity goes well. Not in the forerunner. Uh, BTW suckers from the other fuckers. Love, <laughs> peace, and engine grease. Michael Clunan. Thank you, oh, Michael. Clunan is one of the early recyclers. He's one of John Dalton's old roommates. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing shall, him again. Shall I tell you something about Idaho? No. No, I'm going to anyway. <sighs> I have never met a famous potato yet. You know what they have in Idaho? <laughs> famous potatoes. A lot of Mormons. Do they really? <laughs> it's a bordering state. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I hear they got a lot of Puerto Ricans too. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> you can make it true, Mike. All right. <laughs> Charlie, do you have one. an email yeah. there? Yes. Okay. Hey, read Is your it, email, Charlie. No. this is from um damien um hey misfits howdy from the hello damien howdy from the drizzly and still fucking cold brooklyn a few podcasts ago y'all mentioned needing seal pushers and this last one y'all were happy to find a rogue roll of electrical tape that (laughs) baby possum pop pooped out (laughs) um at what address can i amazon you consumables that you all need and that will be willing to help you splurge on whatever. Um, Charlie, oh, he's that's gonna, so sweet. Are you I'm, fading so I'm, fast I'm a little, you can't I'm a, make it through the email? I'm a little tired, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still on Dutch time, aren't yeah, you? you know, whatever. Um, yes. Also didn't get a lot of sleep last night because of the rally. But Also, he wants to donate a helmet because he's upgrading it oh, cool. or replacing it. So I wanted to say thank you very much. Um, we did get the package and we got some more paper towels, which is good because uh, I came in here and was yelling at, what's our German friend? Um, Anton. <laughs> Anton. Yeah. I was yelling at him because he reached in Tonio. there and just pulled out a stack of blue hey, paper towels. Hey, don't use those towels, oh, man. Oh, man. Anton so grew, good. no, he grew a so, beard. So uh, so thank you for those and some hand cleaner. But my favorite, I showed Emma, we got this really rad O-ring kit that's it's fantastic. full of all sizes of oh, O-rings. Oh, nice. So thank uh, wait, you very much. Seal drivers? Seal no. Drivers? No, we got the O-ring, O-ring kit. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. Cool, Did I'm check was that out. That? Oh, that was the picture. <clears throat> Knock. Yes. Can we you got- do better than Charlie? No, <laughs> I know I'm pretty we, hard to talk. Uh, we got uh, we got one for our boy here, uh, Bagel. Hey, Bagel. He's uh, he's on a scooter trip right now, and he's on the Greek island of Paros. And, what? Uh, what, yeah. what kind of scooter I, is I thought I thought he <laughs> was on there. our favorite island, Lesbos. Lesbos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, he says it's lovely over here. Fantastic little winding roads all over the island. He's yes, at the Festival Club Del Medio, Toronto. Uh, he's on a Kimco Dink. <laughs> D-I-N-K. Wow. How have we not wait, used wait, that on. in is, one of is, our yeah. game shows? Wait a second. There's the Dink. I'm familiar with this brand. I think the yeah. And there's also the Grand Dink, which is much more majestic. <laughs> There's the Grand Dink and the Dink. Uh, you should get clarity if this is the, the majestic Grand Dink or just the standard. No, I think, I think standard Dink was yeah, 25. Knowing Bagel, Go. he would have gone for the the austere the model. Yeah. No, no. So yeah. I'm just curious since normally when one would ride scooters, you'd have flip flops. So when you're wearing the Dink, do you wear socks with your flip flops? <laughs> uh, Birkenstocks, maybe. I was pushing for this as a name for uh, a new model of Zero. No. Unfortunately, I was like, "What about Dink?" And they're like, oh, "It's dang. actually taken." It's oh. taken. He continues, however, I do have one cautionary uh, note to mention in regards to the most recent podcast. Liza, you recommended that anyone running having a running bike on the side when taking a project bike uh, be warned that this can slowly or quickly spiral out of control if you aren't careful uh, when that running bike breaks down and turns into your second project bike. You don't want that happening. <laughs> uh, it can be very tempting to pick up a third running bike uh, that you ride. That way, you know, yes, yeah, so you have two more projects in the, in the band. So is, is that how you get a garage? This is like what happened. Scooters? This is why he has 10 non-running bikes. Yeah. This is, sounds like so a, this one starts like running, just buys another running sounds bike. Sounds like a bagel problem. So, yes, this is a bagel problem. Dear listeners, we're going to go back about six months, and we did a show yeah. on an intervention yeah. thinking <laughs> the cat really had a bike buying problem yeah and uh, to cut a long story short we found out in the show it wasn't was cats who had the problem dumb. it was bagel <laughs> and bagel owns how many bikes uh, or scooters so, none so, of the so, bi- so here it goes yes uh before you realize it you wound up with 12 project bikes there in your garage Bagel. Uh, yeah, and uh, sometimes it's better just bite the bullet and uh, suffer from not having a running bike for a couple of weeks, in order to get the motivation to get that project bike sorted out and avoid the possibility of developing N one itis and N one N plus one itis. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll, I have the learned the lesson the hard way, yeah. and I still have a long way on my road to recovery, but I'm working <laughs> it out bit by bit. Uh, have fun and keep brabbing. So yeah, he's enjoy. It seems like he's enjoying the shit yeah. out of himself based on his Facebook post. Yeah, he always does. Absolutely. Bagel, darling, sage advice. Please come back to us safely. We all miss you. Yeah. So um, I wanted to real quickly catch up with Charlie and Micah, who recently went on a trip to what, what Holland and yeah. Germany. We ate so much cheese. <laughs> Well, it was originally. You have no idea how much cheese we ate. So much cheese. Did, um, you, did you shit out a telephone pole? There was so much. <laughs> At the end of it, it was so good. <laughs> we were originally supposed to only stay in um, Holland, but then we rented two motorcycles, and we. I said to Charlie, "Oh, let's just choose a direction and go any way we want." And, and I just kind of. He kept making led us towards closer and closer Germany, Germany because but. he wanted to go visit Germany. <laughs> and so he told me this three yeah. days after. <laughs> yeah. So just curious. Wait, what, you guys were on the road for three days on a motorcycle? No, no, no. no we uh, were on two like days. Two day. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It, it was like a two-hour ride to Germany. And, and what, really? what yeah. is the Mormon population like in Holland? <laughs> <laughs> I am not Zero. sure. Kansas, so, Germany. But to be. you guys had an opportunity to ride some bikes that we, we don't get here. Well, the... We had the option to rent a variety of bikes, yeah. and we happened to choose the 125. So, so what did you ride? I rode the RC 125, and Micah yeah. had the MT 125. MT- the Yamaha, right? I also got yes. a break in the engine 
of the RC125 because they gave it to me zero miles. And wow. new tires. So, oh, no. so it doesn't like burnouts. Oh. <laughs> so the MT is the Yamaha over here. It's similar like an, to the F. Uh, yeah, it's like FZ. an FZ07. So right. it's the baby, baby, baby version of the bike that I'm going to have in um, two years. You know what MT stands for in Europe? Masters of Torque. Yeah. Thank you for I that. I did notice, notice the MT had a little really more weird. Japan, Master of Torque. All right, so and Tyler, you read the RC, Master which is the KTM, yeah. which is the baby Grow up. RC, RC yeah. three ninety or RC eight or whatever. So, how how were the bikes? They were awesome. awesome. They're both a lot of fun. I think the MT was a lot more comfortable and it had a little bit more power, but the RC's engine wasn't broken. Were all, the one twenty fives cheaper? Is that why you guys picked them? I mean, or we you just were... wanted to try them. I mean, we wanted uh, to try okay. them because we can't get them here, and we yeah, thought yeah, that yeah. that would be a cool thing. And Holland is very very flat, and so we knew that we wouldn't need. There's no hills. Yeah, and so, okay. like the tallest hill in Holland is 300 meters, wow, and okay. we weren't yeah. anywhere near that. So we were all very very flat, and so what, it and what? very slow too. Um, so mean, it was the perfect what, bikes for what we were doing. What's, the, what's so 300 tall? meters in English money? It's like what? Feet? Yeah. Feet. No idea. Okay. So, all right, because most of us in the room have like 650s, yeah. mm-hmm. 800s. Micah has a 500. That's the baby bike here, mm-hmm. but. I was wondering, in 125s, did it feel like an uh, underpowered bike? Well, okay, so the thing you can do with this 125 is, let's see how long I can keep it pinned, and it was was <laughs> kind of a long time. So that's what Charlie <laughs> was doing. Um, well, pinned is only like 70 miles an hour. So. Uh, and you had a break It wasn't break 70 miles an hour. It was yeah. Yeah. yeah, good job. That engine got a hard break in. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie. So it, now, this, is this something that you think that we are missing out on here? That we should have one twenty fives? Do you think it's still it wouldn't be, wouldn't fit? Well, in everything's more spread out. There is the Grom. Yeah, but I don't think that they are necessary here. I think that the three hundreds are perfect here, um, but the one twenty fives in Holland were absolutely perfect for what we were doing. Well, I don't think well, that they the, would the, have a the need big, here. The big kicker is all the hills we have here, and that's where exactly. it would struggle. But let me tell you something right now. The biggest selling bike we have right now, Monterey Peninsula Passports of Rock Groms. They yeah, fly and the Kawasaki Z125. Mm-hmm. I call them Zeds, but that really doesn't matter. Um, like. um, but but these, they fly out the door. But these are full-size 125s, so that's right. a difference right. as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if they sold them here, the 300 would still... Right. Win. Sam, I mean, the, the Zeros are mostly full-size bikes and with yeah, full-size performance. Yep. Do you ever see a time in the future where you do a less intimidating size and power of bike? It'd give you Perhaps more range. to attract an entry-level rider. Yeah, I'd never say never, but I'll tell you that right now, um, to do that, to do it without taking on a, a weight penalty, we'd have to right. develop a smaller motor, smaller battery capacity, potentially a lot of different things in the powertrain. And I think that that work could be better spent maybe on something Better spent else. elsewhere. So it's something yeah. maybe down the road, but it's not something yeah. we should and, expect and, you know, in the near future. And, and fr- I mean, I, I love those entry-level bikes. I mean, I think the fact that mm-hmm. um, those 125s over there, it gets to that some of the differences we were talking about earlier in the podcast between Europe and the United States. Uh, around the types of bikes that are sold and what works right. and i mean yeah. I, I, are you looking for an fz07 at some point is that your i love it i want one They're i mean cool. for the value i mean on, on as a value gas bike that bike is it's, it's excellent amazing. You know for the money sam this is your opportunity to pitch 
Go for it. Have you thought about an electric? <laughs> so, you know, but this is something. I know we, a guy that can get you a deal. <laughs> yeah, he's got a guy that's got a guy, you know what I mean? This is something we didn't talk about, but, you know, we all have these different sized bikes, CCs, and a lot of time, like, you start out on a smaller bike, then you sell it to move up to a larger bike. On the electric bikes, you have mode settings. We do. So you can set it on eco. As yep. a beginner, can start out on eco, which will give you a longer range. <clears throat> and then as you move up, you can just change the settings. And then when you get really good, you can call a friend. Hey, Terry, who can uh, <laughs> hack into it, <laughs> get a little more power. Um, no, but that's something that's a great advantage that I haven't really thought about, that the electric yeah. motorcycles have these settings. And it's possible i mean the eco setting is not as neutered as you would expect it surprised the hell out of me when i first go right i mean you could potentially still put another like i'm 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 the scared beginner setting you know so we have a custom mode that you Mm -hmm. can app you can access through an app that lets you tune down or tune Mm -hmm. up the bike without ever having to wrench on it which is kind of like cheating especially on this podcast but you can do whatever you want and I have a custom setting I use for all the bikes. It basically maxes out torque and speed, right. but also maxes out regen. So I get what is our equivalent of engine braking mm-hmm. um, or compression braking mm-hmm. as I come off the mm-hmm. gas. Instead of having to spend a lot of time on braking gas, I basically so just it, it gets you when you when you accelerate. It it is it, where, where do you just get power so back? So when the battery, you, come, you come off you come off the throttle in the same way that a gas bike would just engine brake and mm-hmm. slow down instead of braking. Uh, yeah, it, it does that, but actually that that regens the battery as you engine brake on the electric the the motor becomes a generator pumps juice back into the battery you're not getting an infinite amount of power but no. it's still giving it's you some yeah. power. you get some every, every little bit yeah. every little yeah. bit's gonna help um exactly. it, my my attorney's got um a very nice tesla p85s which has famously got the i think the insane mode on the power delivery <laughs> ludicrous ludicrous yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is just I don't think I've ever been accelerated yeah. as fast in, yeah. in anything else. So, I mean, you know, there's infinite possibilities, but it's all about the regen. Yeah. Whenever you're riding electric or driving electric, it's but, all about the regen. But, yeah, that's a huge advantage I hadn't thought of, that we, we step yeah. up in our bikes as you become more experienced, and an electric bike is going to give you all that with just the mode settings. So, Do you um, guys, so I have a question. Do you yeah. guys see an issue where when you get a smaller bike in – by the time somebody's outgrown it, they've done exactly what you did as you were braking in the bike uh, in Holland, which is it's been so wound out by the time somebody's ready to move up to a bigger bike that there's just not a whole lot left. You just kick the shit out of it. I haven't seen no. it recently. Well, back in the day in Britain, um, when I first started riding, we were limited to a 250. And you bought a 250, and then you took your test, yep. and then you got, got rid of your 250, and you could get any size bike. And there were just a gazillion, just worn out 250s out there. I was very lucky because that's how I got into motorcycle. I couldn't afford a new bike. I couldn't even afford a decent used bike. All I could afford was a completely clapped out bike. And so that's what got me started and got me started on mechanics. But these days, bikes are a lot better than they used to be. And... You've really got to try hard to blow up yeah, the but bike. Listen, what about, like, you get a Rebel 250 or something in here. You want to They're check. They're indestructible. Yeah, but you want to check, like, the clutch plates and, like, oh, if they've changed it. Oh, you got 8,000 miles on it. Wow, what a great deal. But, like, the person who owned it didn't change the fucking oil because they have no idea 
or check spark plugs and things like that and then you know like run the thing out and like you're saying they go 70 or 60 miles an hour we took well, mary's bike up on the yeah. freeway and it's like you're just like and everything's fucking shaking and you're, you're doing it and you're like look i'm on the run, freeway run, and like how often do you do that all the time you know because you want it you just want a bigger bike and then you sell it and someone's getting that you oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Or or you end up blowing up the, the engine yeah. like I did. Yeah. Right. Well as we, already, as we already established earlier, you just get rid of that engine and get a new one. You mm-hmm. take it take it to a dealer and they go <laughs> <laughs> give you three. You got a road problem with this one. To rebuild yeah. or not rebuild and I think it's a good project. Yeah. But yeah. Right. 250. That is the question. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, I wanted to thank you for coming in. What a fabulous guest. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah, we are excited to be a part of Zero's Future. Any chance, anytime you want to come down and uh, or have any announcements, let us know. Um, did you notice something about Sam? He's very well groomed. He is extremely well groomed. <laughs> well, um, did you occasionally have guests? No, no. We, we occasionally, well, occasionally we have guests. Sam, it's a real shit show. Let me tell you. But no, you're very well groomed. I'm sure you look very good in a suit. Do you wear a suit for work? I don't. I've actually I've been lucky enough to never have a job. I never had a job. Where never. I, never had a job where I had to wear a suit. So you never had a jobby job. No. no. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I worked at a. I worked at Bell and Giro as a bike helmet guy and then right, I worked right, at a right, snowboard right. company and then a headphone company and now a motorcycle company okay so. but very very well groomed never yeah. Liza mm-hmm. I noticed you didn't cordially invite him to the KTM Kawasaki race to enter his bike into it <laughs> <laughs> with the ludicrous mode <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah I don't, I don't can know the, can I don't the Triumph know. join that race the triple oh. if he could keep up oh. I don't think I'll have a problem with that to be honest here. I've seen you try um, to get it up I'll just keep it in first <laughs> Michael if Micah? I if I brought a bandit to the party all you would see is my tail light down <laughs> oh my god all you would see so again thank you for coming um I thank urge you, thank you anyone who hasn't had an opportunity if you're going to be at AMA Vintage Days, come on down and test ride a zero there. Uh, also, you know what? Just, peop- if you have, sorry. Let's, I was going to say, me. also, people for people here locally, yeah. that on certain Fridays at zero, say, yeah. they yep. do test rides here at the factory. Yeah, first Friday of every month at the factory, come down, Fantastic. swing a leg and, over a bike. Um, am I right in assuming we've got the Hollister event coming up for the 4th of July weekend, which is actually, it's just ahead of the 4th of July this year. Um, are you sending a test rider contingent up there? It's a great question. I had to find out from the team. Find out. Actually, actually I forgot to talk to you. I was going to ask you for some bikes for us to ride out there. If you don't have a body, the better we will do it again. Yeah. This is it Hollister? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely yeah. swing by. We got a ton of bikes at yeah, the, yeah. the show. Yes. Let's, we'll you. do that for you. I did that I last year it. and it was a blast. Um, and so people can go to zeromotorcycles.com. And I assume you guys have a Facebook presence, we too. Do. Yeah, just like up Zero Motorcycles. It's worthwhile just following. Even if you want to just kind of be on, have electric bikes on your radar and know what's going on. You know, we all talk about the new KTMs and the new Yamahas, but... Keep an eye on electric bikes because they are outperforming these bikes we talk about. You know, we're talking about, you know, Mike and I doing these drag races and Charlie wants to get in it. But reality is, like, if Terry shows up 
on yep, his yep. zero with his husky on his tank <laughs> he can beat us <laughs> well the, there's also it's just it's easier to ride there's no weird power band you don't have to slip a clutch it's just you just go it is it is so um yeah we got a lot of things coming up in the future um we got the vampire ride under our belt is there i guess fourth of july hollister i think uh, that's gonna we're be, be out there. that's one. a yeah, huge come event out, come out and meet us if you're on the west coast hey, come out to hollister fourth of july thing it's the Hollister Rally. Rally. And the veteran, oh, that's right. The we Vetter cha- Fuel Economy Challenge. Um, yeah. We're usually hanging out uh, at the Corbin We're going to be at joint. Corbin's. Um, you know, everyone here has got a long history with Mike Corbin. He's a great guy. Um, and we'll leave you an open invite if you ever want to come riding or dirt biking, which we do. Uh, give us a holler. We always have stuff going it's on. It's family friendly, too. Yeah. Appreciate the invite. I've been down there. You know, uh, Mike Corbin has a long electric history as well. Yes, yeah. he oh, yes. He's, He's been a guest oh, yeah. on the podcast, too. Super impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, it's, it's Mike's really fantastic. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's the history of motorcycling in California. He is. And you know that he stole silver from the Navy. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terry told you that story, No, no, didn't no. I actually read it you somewhere. I read about that yes, story. Yes, yes, yes. Fascinating it. story. And so, they put it back. He did. <laughs> didn't lose too much either. So, again, thank you to all our listeners who sent in emails, who sent us gifts, and we even had some new Patreon subscribers. Um, hey. We are getting ready to record some new Patreon. Can I talk about the subjects? Uh, I was going to say real quick, we're, we do these little mini-sodes on Patreon. All Patreon subscribers, for a minimum of a dollar a month, you'll have access to them. We've got three on there that are great, and we're about to do some more, and a few of us have picked some topics. What was yours, Emma? Well, um, I'm going to do uh, a couple. The first I'm going to do is uh, Zeppo Marx of the Marx Brothers. Exactly. He was the straight guy, but he was also a motorcycle manufacturer. A lot of, a lot of people a know that. There's a great story there. And as a request from Liza, I have delved into the bowels. This fascinating subject. You won't Com believe. Comstar Wheels. Comstar Wheels is really cool. And I tell you what, because, I mean, Nock is just looking like his eyes are <laughs> rolling know, back I in his head. I know about Comstar Wheels. They're cool. It's a very interesting story. I've even got the designer's name. So these are little shorts. These are going to be Emma's History Hole. They're only available for Patreon subscribers. And don't forget, if... You subscribe to ten dollars a month. I will pose nude in front of my turbo goldwing <laughs> and send you photographic evidence of it. For fifteen, knock will be with her. Yeah, for another five dollars, knock will stand alongside me wearing nothing but boots and a smile. For fifteen dollars a month. I think what do you uh, is another five dollars. The the funny thing is Sam thinks this is a joke. <laughs> 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 and for free, you got naked Jim. I think I'll, yeah, exactly. Uh, for free, you get naked Jim. I think I'll be out of, out of the office. Then. How much? How much <laughs> you pay to not have naked Jim? <laughs> and for only three hundred dollars, I will pee in the airbox of your bike and tell you you've got a road in the front. Of no, so you do wet work, You do wet work. Right. So this is the time I remind everyone you can go on down to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. From there, you find the link to our Patreon page, to our YouTube, YouTube and yes, YouTube and uh, our but yeah, Facebook just thanks page. For listening. I mean, you and you can also go there and order a T-shirt or with a mug. With me on it, with me, darling, in bed with the Yamaha. 
Exactly. So, and thank wow. you again to everyone for listening and, and making it this far. We do appreciate it. So, keep <laughs> yeah, we know it's been a long road. <laughs> keep we the communication know. coming, and I'm looking forward. We've got visitors coming. It's summertime. We always get visitors, so that's really cool. Yeah. So, on that note, I think we're ready to wrap up. This is Liza, Emma, darling, Micah, Bix, Sam, Charlie. This is Doc. How'd you like to make fourteen dollars? <laughs> yeah, the hard way, Mister Mr. New York himself. The hard way. Hey, let's get out of here. Cool. cool. cool.